Let's open with prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you this Christmas morning. And we come to you with joyous hearts. We thank you that we can gather together as your people here in this place and celebrate the incarnation. God in the flesh making his dwelling among us. That we can celebrate the birth of love and of our salvation. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just open our hearts this morning to receive you, all that you have for us. We especially want to express our gratitude at the greatest gift any of us can receive, and that is the gift of Christ. And so we just thank you for this time. We ask, Lord, that you are magnified and glorified in our worship. We pray, Lord, that your church is built up and strengthened. And we just give you this day and give you this time asking your blessing in it, and also that you'd be blessed by it. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. Amen. So I have come to discover that God uses ordinary people to reveal his extraordinary grace. How do I know this? I'm so glad you asked. Let me introduce myself. My name is Joseph, son of Jacob. Now, I was born in Bethlehem. And that's an important fact, because Bethlehem is the city of David. And it is from the line and house of David we know that the Messiah is going to come. But unfortunately, that's kind of fallen on hard times, because God's people have fallen on hard times. And it's been a long time since that promise was made. So being of the line of David doesn't quite carry the same cachet it used to. Nevertheless, I'm still quite proud of it. But at some point, we came to make our home in Nazareth. Nazareth is a small town. And when I mean small town, I mean small. Kind of place when you blink, you go right past it. But it's in that town, in that little small town, in the Galilee region of Israel, that I met a wonderful young woman by the name of Mary. Now, our parents must have saw how we got along because they arranged for us to be married. And I was so very much looking forward to making Mary my wife. You see, we were pledged or promised or betrothed to one another. That's much like what you would call an engagement period. It's just a little bit more of a legal matter. But we were promised to one another, and we were so looking forward to making our life together. I was apprenticing as a carpenter. I was looking forward to being able to raise a family and make a life with Mary. But you know how those things can suddenly change. Because one day, interestingly enough, Mary was just acting a little odd, just a little strange. And I said, Mary, what's wrong? What's bothering you? And she said, Joseph, I I can't talk about it right now. And so I thought maybe she just had some jitters, some nerves, or, you know, something was on her mind, so I just let it go. But Mary continued on with this for a little while, and so I started to ask myself, what's going on with her? So finally, one day I say, look, Mary, what is going on with you? And she looks at me and says, Joseph, we need to talk. 
Now, you know that almost nothing good comes from those words. We need to talk. And so I said, okay, Mary, what do we need to talk about? And she said, Joseph, I'm pregnant. And I thought for a minute, and I go, okay, wait, what? Joseph, I'm pregnant. You could have knocked me over with a feather. I mean, look, I may be young, but I'm not a fool. I know how this whole biology thing works. And one thing I did know, I'm not the dad. I'm not the father. And so I said, Mary, how is this possible? What's going on here? And she looks at me and she says, Joseph, look, here's what happened. I was just minding my own business in a field one day when an angel appeared to me. And the angel said, Mary, blessed are you among women, which I thought was kind of strange. And then the angel began to tell me about how I would get pregnant. And I said, but how can that be? I'm a virgin. And the angel tells me that the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and come upon you and you will conceive and you will bear a son and you will name him Jesus. And I don't know, at some point I stopped listening because I was just thinking, okay, what is going on? And so Mary finishes telling me and she says, Joseph, what do you think? And I said, uh, um, I, don't, I don't know what to think. You see, everything had been turned upside down. My whole life had been changed. I was making all these plans. I was thinking about the life we would build together. And now suddenly, she's pregnant and it's not my child? What's going on here? So finally, I just said, okay, Mary, I, I need some time. I, I just, <laughs> I hello. And so I went away and I just, thought and I prayed and I wrestled with all this. You see, here's the thing. I want to do what's right in God's eyes. I want to obey God's law. I love God's law. So I want to do what's right by the Lord. But I also love Mary. And I don't want to subject Mary to, to disgrace and to public shame. And so what do I do in this situation? And so I wrestled with this. I prayed about this. I didn't know what to do. And finally, I came to a decision. I love God's law, and so I can't stay with Mary. I have to divorce her. But I love Mary, and I don't want to subject her to public disgrace, so I'm going to do it quietly. I'm not going to drag her before the elders at the city gate and subject and ruin her life. And so I'm going to divorce her quietly. I'm going to have a private meeting with the elders, and we're going to do this quietly, and, and that way I can do what's right by the Lord, but also what's right by Mary. And so I made this decision. I can't say it was an easy decision, but I was at peace with it. And so I remember going to bed. And wouldn't you know it, <laughs> I get my own visit. An angel of the Lord comes to me in a dream, and he says to me, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son. And you will name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Now I remember waking up and I woke up and I was elated because on the one hand, I could still make Mary my wife. We could still build this life together. But on the other hand, I felt 
this sense of shame because Mary had been telling the truth the whole time. She wasn't lying to me. She wasn't spinning some yarn. She, she was telling me the truth, and I felt this sense of shame, but I also felt this sense of elation and joy. So I got up, and I did exactly as the angel of the Lord commanded me. And I took Mary as my wife. But I'm not going to say it was easy. It wasn't easy. It was hard. Because you know how people in small towns can talk? And they were talking. But Mary and I were committed. We were committed to making this work. And we were committed to obeying the Lord. But you know, interestingly enough, God has this funny way of, of doing things a little different. And before you know it, Caesar Augustus calls a census. I guess he didn't have enough money. And so he decides that he's going to call a census. And in order for you to apply for the census, you have to go back to your hometown. So every male in Israel has to go back to the hometown from where they were born in order to register for the census. And because I am of the line and tribe of David, I had to go back to Bethlehem. Well, Mary was very pregnant by this time. And there is no way I'm leaving her in Nazareth. And so we load everything up. We load up the donkey. I put Mary on the donkey. And we make a three-day journey into Bethlehem. Have you ever been on a three-day journey with a very pregnant woman? I don't recommend it. But we made our way into Bethlehem. And as we were cresting the hill and we looked down and saw Bethlehem, David's hometown, I looked and I said, oh, we could have some problems. The place was packed. Everybody from the line of David was back in Bethlehem to register for the census. And I thought, oh man, where are we going to stay? And so we went, and I had a few relatives there, and I went, and they're like, dude, we got no room. But here, we recommend a few rooms, and they use that word, dude. <laughs> no room. And so they recommended a few rooms, a few inns. So we went from place to place, and nobody had any room until we finally went to one place, and the guy took pity on us, and he said, look, we don't have any rooms available, but what we do have is we have this stable, this, this cave area where we keep the animals. Look, it's dry, it's warm, it's out of the elements, and it's the best I can do. And we finally just said, we'll take it, because I'm going to tell you something. Right about that time, guess what? Mary went in to labor. Yeah. And so she goes into labor, and before you know it, there he is, baby Jesus. We cleaned him off as best we could. We wrapped him in swaddling cloths. And I just remember Mary just sitting there holding him, and I realized he didn't have a place to sleep, so there was nothing, so we had nothing other available, so I took this feeding trough, a, a manger, and I cleaned it out as best I could, and I took some fresh straw, and I put it in there, and then we took Jesus, and we laid him in the manger, and we just marveled. And we thought, what now? <laughs> and then suddenly I heard a noise behind me, and I look, and there I see these shepherds. And these shepherds are going, is that him? 
And I go, is that who? Is that the Savior, the Messiah, the promised one? And I said, what? And they begin to say, well, we were out in our fields watching over our flocks. <clears throat> when all of a sudden an angel appeared before us and the glory of the Lord shone around us. And it, it, frankly, we were terrified. <clears throat> and the angel said to us, don't be afraid. For I bring to you this day good news of great joy. For this day has been born unto you the Messiah, a Savior. The fulfillment of God's promises. And this will be a sign unto you. You will find a baby wrapped in swollen cloths and in a manger there in the city of David. And then suddenly... A whole host of angels was there, glorifying God, lighting up the night sky. It was the most amazing thing we ever saw. And then as soon as they were there, they were gone. And we said to each other, we need to go into the city of David and see this, what they're talking about. And so here we are, and there he is. And I just looked at Mary, and I could tell Mary was just storing these things up in her heart. And I said, well, come. And they looked, and they worshipped him, and then they left. And Mary and I stayed there in Bethlehem for a little while. We wanted to wait at least until eight days so we could circumcise and name him Jesus, but also fulfill the law by going to the temple. Bethlehem is much closer to Jerusalem. And so we made our way into Jerusalem. We wanted to obey the law by making sacrifices and so as we're making our way into the temple area, Mary is holding Jesus, and, and I'm leading her. I see this guy up there. He sees Mary, and he makes a locks on her, and he starts making a beeline toward us. And I start thinking, okay, what's this guy all about? And he comes up to Mary, and he looks at her, and he says, can I hold him? And Mary goes, what? And before you know it, he's got Jesus in his arms. His name was Simeon. And he begins to praise God, and he says, God, you can now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have laid hold of the fulfillment of your promises. <clears throat> a light unto the Gentiles, and a fulfillment for God's promises to Israel. And he begins to say all these words over Jesus. And Mary and I are just kind of standing there, marveling, looking at him. What? And then this woman, Anna, comes, and she begins to say words over Jesus as well. And we're just, honestly, it's overwhelming. And you're just taking it all in. And so we, he gives us back, and he walks away, and, and we go and we fulfill our promises. We, we make our sacrifices, and we make our way back to Bethlehem. I thought, you know, let's just stay in Bethlehem for a little bit. And so we're in Bethlehem for a little while. And suddenly one night we hear a knock at the door. And I look at Mary and think, you expecting company? And she goes, no, you expecting company? I said, no. I said, who is it? I don't know. So I go and I look. And there, as I open the door, are these magi, wise men from the east. And they say, is he here? And again I say, is who here? The one born king of the Jews. 
I said, what? Yo, the, the Messiah, the one born king of the Jews, we followed his star here. I said, you followed his star? Yes, his star. And I said, really? Where? All right. Well, come in. And they come in and they tell me the story about how they're from the east and they're these magi. And they've come to celebrate and worship the one born king of the Jews. And that they followed his star and they followed it all the way here. And I'm listening, I'm going, uh-huh. I mean, because by this time, this isn't the most fantastic thing I've heard. You know what I'm saying? And, and so I'm listening. And before you know it, Jesus is brought out and they fall in worship. They just go to their knees and they begin to worship Jesus. <clears throat> and I'm just marveling again. And then they bring up these gifts. Gold, frankincense, myrrh. This is valuable stuff. And I'm thinking, hmm, this is nice. And they hang out for a while and I, we entertain them. We, we were hospitable and after a while they leave and they head back. But they go back a different way than they came because... Something about Herod unnerved them, which I can understand. Well, it wasn't long after that, that matter of fact, God came to me in a dream once again. And he said, Joseph, you need to gather up Mary and the child, and you need to get out of town and go to Egypt, because Herod is looking for the child's life. And you didn't have to tell me twice. So I woke Mary up, we gathered everything together, and we made our way to Egypt, and we lived there as refugees. And indeed, I heard that Herod had come to the region where we were living, and he killed every single boy two years old and younger. Every single one. What a horrible thing that was, and how much it broke my heart. Well, we lived in Egypt for a little while, and living as a refugee in a foreign country is not easy. <clears throat> I tried to ply my trade as a carpenter, but you know what's interesting is how God provides because we lived on those gifts. Those gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh suddenly became the income by which we were able to survive. And so we lived in Egypt for as long as we could. The money started to run a little low, and... Suddenly, in a dream, God comes to me again and says, Joseph, you can take them back, for Herod is dead. And so I gathered Mary up, and I said, you're not telling me twice. And we left Egypt. But we didn't go back to Bethlehem, because I had heard that Archelaus, Herod's son, was ruling in his place, and Archelaus was no better than his dad. So we made our way back to Nazareth. And there... There we had more kids. There we had a family. And there Jesus grew. And he was a good kid. He was a good son. He obeyed us. He was unique. But that's because he was Messiah. And <clears throat> I've got to tell you one story. This is one story I've got to finish with because it really kind of points out his uniqueness. See, every year we would go to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover as a family. Now, I would go three times a year for all the three feasts, but the whole family would go at Passover to celebrate. And so we would go as a caravan. And so we caravaned one year when Jesus was 12 years old, we caravaned 
to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover feast. It was a great time. We made our sacrifices, we brought our offerings, we celebrated Passover, and as we were making our way back, we went back as a caravan. Now, we didn't see Jesus, but this wasn't terribly unusual because within a caravan, all the kids are hanging out together sometimes with other families, so we didn't think anything of it. But after a day or two of travel, we didn't see Jesus anywhere. And so suddenly, we're asking around, have you seen Jesus? And they're like, no, I haven't seen him. And we realize he's still back in Jerusalem. And so we left the rest of the kids with the relatives and said, get them back to Nazareth. We've got to go back and get Jesus. So Mary and I, we made our way back into Jerusalem, and we looked everywhere for Jesus. For three days, we looked high and low. We were starting to get a little desperate. But finally, we thought, let's check in the temple. So we went to the temple, and lo and behold, there's Jesus sitting with the scholars, teachers of the law, scribes, and everything else. Here's this 12-year-old sitting with these scholars, asking them questions to which they have no answers, and answering questions and they're marveling at his answers. And so Mary and I are standing there for a minute, and finally Mary goes up and says, Jesus, why did you do this to us? Do what? Your father and I, we've been worried sick. Well, why are you worried? I needed to be in my father's house. What does that mean? It's like, I'm thinking, I'm going to give you a little father's house right now. You know, Come on, kid. But we recognized the uniqueness of Jesus. And so he came home with us, and there he lived a typical Jewish life, growing up into the Messiah. And there's a few things I've learned in this that I want to share with you this morning. A few things I've learned in my experiences. The first thing I've learned that I want to share with you in this is this, that God is present. God is present. He is with us in our difficulties and comes alongside of us in our low points. You know, God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. And there's going to be some low points in that. But God will be with you in all of it. He is present and he is real. Second thing I've learned is that God provides. God provides. It may not come in ways we expect or even want. But God always comes through in our time of need. I know what it means to experience deprivation. I know what it means to experience how are we going to do this. But God always provides. He provides an answer. He provides the way. He provides the resources. Third, God uses ordinary people to reveal his extraordinary grace. He uses ordinary people to reveal his extraordinary grace. Sometimes we get fixated on people who are popular, who are wealthy, who seem to have all the advantages. But God uses ordinary people, people like you and me, to reveal his most extraordinary grace. Fourth, God loves us. God loves us. Jesus came to save us from sin. And he provides the opportunity for us to experience eternal life in relationship with God. God, Jesus is the fulfillment of all of God's promises. He is the fulfillment of all of God's promises. And so we see that God is present. We see that God provides. 
we see that God uses ordinary people to reveal his extraordinary grace. We see that God loves us. So the question I have today is this. Have you received by faith the greatest gift of all, the gift of Jesus Christ? I invite you this morning, if you have not, to receive this gift. It is a gift of grace. You don't have to do anything to earn it. You don't have to do anything to merit it. All you have to do is unwrap it. That's all you have to do. He freely gives us his gift of grace and love and mercy as seen in Jesus Christ. I invite you this morning to receive that gift if you have not yet received the gift of Christ. I have learned a great deal in this experience, and it is my hope this morning that you have learned something too. God loves you. And this is the message of Christmas, that God loves us. He loves us enough to give of his own son that we may have eternal life. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you so very much for the gift of Christ. I thank you, Lord, for the experiences of your people over time. I thank you, Lord, for the experience of Joseph. May it be instructive to us and may it be encouraging to us as to how we, as just everyday people, can be used to reveal your extraordinary grace. Would you move on us this morning? Would you help all of us, Lord, to receive the gift that you have given us in Christ? We thank you so very much for the grace that you have shown us. May your name be blessed. May your people be encouraged. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.